Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are here together with Leela Lieberman. Um, I don't actually know any of your other names, and we're going to be chatting about these crowning times once again. Um, Leela, I met you a long time ago, and very briefly, you were assisting to ordain a, a wedding um, between Haley and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's the closest I know you, and mm -hmm. it really touched me. It was really beautiful wisdom work that you did there, um, and I know also of you and your works, and I've read some of your things, and um, have a lot of respect for you, and I'm very interested to know more about you. Could you introduce yourself a little bit before we go ahead? And you're in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Australia now, East Coast Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for your kind words, and the respect is returned. Um, a little about myself. So academically, what the build-up to how I'm practicing is I am academically, I trained in uh, transpersonal psychology and philosophy, anthropology, linguistics. And, well, this was after I came back from an exchange, a student exchange in South America straight after school. And uh, the exchange was quite conservative. So halfway through, I left and I went hitchhiking up through Chile into Bolivia and Peru and then it looked now in retrospect, I can say the plants were waiting for me, the shamans were waiting for me. So I was cleaned and trained and taught by the plants, mainly in the Atacama. And then when I came back to South Africa, I went to university and studied all those things, got my honors in transpersonal psychology and philosophy. And all the while, as soon as I came back, I was obviously carrying the spirit of the jungle and the desert. Sangomas around South Africa started to just approach me and tell me I have a calling and I needed to train. And at first, this was a bit overwhelming, you know. Growing up in apartheid, we were kept quite different. So I didn't know the culture, although I was always interested. I was always interested. In, but the bridge to jumping into such a level of initiation was, was quite big. Mm. So I said no to that calling for about 12 years, but I still worked with certain Sangoma and trained and healed and did all my ancestral ceremonies mm. until eventually working with plants on the Amazon all the while and learning different modalities all the while and using dance as a medicine, really gathering tools, mm. I eventually found the teacher that was to train me. Mm. So then we did the initiation in South Africa in 2012. And in a nutshell, that's how it opened. So, you know, as you would know, when you're in initiation, you start to notice what your latent gifts are and they start coming forward and your teacher notices and you notice and you start to ride with them. So... Mm. As my ceremony closed, my closing ceremony finished, I started receiving a body of knowledge that at the time I didn't know was going to be this whole body that was going to carry on for decades. Mm. But it just started to give me these beautiful teachings, five pieces in each. And eventually the title became the five pillars of medicine, literally as if I'm taking dictation from spirit. Yeah. And it's so beautiful because it's just a map of the foundational allocations of quality and medicine in all of creation and then how to use that therapeutically and then how those properly build up this living hallucination that we call the world or life and then how the secretary of that works and then how that timeless knowledge has always been moving through since timelessly but we can see traces of it in ancient egypt and the speckles all over the planet essentially when you know a truth it's all the same truth there's only one story it's just wearing many different clothes yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that so resonates for me. That's beautiful. Mm. That's that's really awesome. Thank you for putting it in that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. And so you were you were actually born in South Africa, and now you're living in Australia. Yeah, that's right. I came here about almost seven years ago now. What is it that called you there? Well, I met my late partner Dan Schreiber. Right. Yeah. I remember. Yes. So we met at a conference we were both speaking at in South Africa. And then three years later, we actually got more got close and got friendly and got together. And then it was so easy. I just came to live in Australia. And then that was an initiation itself. Beautiful few years. And then he got ill. And that was a whole another initiation and then passed. So he's still around. He's still intelligent as anything, mischievous, humorous as anything, can tune in and get beautiful downloads as well, mainly about mycelium and microbes. Oh, really? I'm still, still fully aware of what's going on in the planet at the moment. And, mm, 
very beautiful friendship that flies beyond life and death. Oh, that's magic. Mm. I, I have a very strong calling to come to Australia as well at some stage. I, I dream Aboriginal people and I'm, yeah. you know, I've been taken to sit on top of Uluru a number of times and so um, it might even be this year. Um, Amazing. But, uh, it'll be nice to meet in person. If yeah, sure. When. And I can share a little bit about the dreaming with you of the understanding of the different places in Australia. So the east coast of Australia is kind of jutting out almost like the, the front of a ship moving through time because the sun reaches here first mm -hmm. and it hits the east coast. And especially where we are, where I've been placed quite beyond my control, is the very easternmost point of Australia. The sun hits here first and it hits our sacred mountain first. And that activates the ley line or the song line that goes through our sacred mountains. Here we have one in the ocean, these two little islands, and then two sacred mountains or really look like overgrown pyramids that go to our sacred Wollumbin Mountain, otherwise known as Cloudcatcher. It goes all the way through to Uluru, all the way through to this, uh, to um, my, I think, Visa. Um, from Uluru to Giza, Madibisa. So then it's spilled out into the entire world. So that golden line of sun opens that timeline. So they say the thinking that happens here and the consciousness that happens here on East Coast Australia influences the rest of the world because that's the direction that light travels, that's the direction the consciousness travels. By Giza, you're referring to the pyramids of Giza. Yeah. So that runs up the Nolotic Meridian. Does it work mm -hmm. like that? Okay, and then that fits with, because I've, I've been working with, with that line for for quite a while and i'm a song line singer you know this is also mm -hmm. what i was told by one of the aboriginal painted elder men in in a dream um and so part of what i've been doing over the years is is working with my voice with an allotic meridian and um keeping it clean you know this i always kind of feel like South Africa is a massive washing machine for mm. the, the energies that gather at, at the tip of Cape Point to right. bring from the ocean that comes from the, the, the south and the ocean that the north and the ocean that comes from the south and then flashes up, which is also why there are so many Sangome here and so many people called here yeah to, to yeah. help with the cleaning process so that's amazing yeah. i didn't realize that it it reached all the way from the tip of australia that makes yeah we call that like the birth canal yeah you know, it comes through these beautiful sacred stones called matangali these little islands and that they, they literally look like a coccyx huh. we call that the birth canal and the line goes all the way through between the, the other sacred pyramids to our local mountain all the way through it continues on you know how ley lines work they have these beautiful patterns yeah. continues on through ireland and a bunch of sacred sites there but yes the nilotic meridian i actually see that as the vagus nerve of the planet mm. from giza all the way down to johannesburg you know the nile mm. and um of course as we're healing the vagus nerve is huge in that because it's holding all the central information of the body of the being mm. so as we're going through this massive as you say, washing machine of healing, that is going to be vibrating and moving and sending um, shockwaves out, really. In fact, I did a practice where I, you know how he who controls time controls the narrative. I was thinking about it earlier, how we call the Middle East, the Near East, the Middle East, the Far East, because embedded in that language is all relative to the fact that naturally England is the centre, right? Naturally, um, Greenwich Meridian is the centre of the universe. It's just unquestioned. Mm -hmm. So that could be a hijacking, and, and I recognise that very potentially Giza could be zero point. Maybe at one point it was. Yeah, I agree. And once I yeah, and I calculated the meridians on either side. There's a sacred geometry of, of sacred sites along in similar latitude to Giza, along the same distances, east and west of Giza. It's quite beautiful to notice. Yeah, and, and the great discoveries and the great temples and civilizations that came out of that latitude. Yeah, I've been, I mean, I haven't done any kind of mathematical calculations or things like that, but. I've been very, very clearly shown that about Giza as well. 
um, in this mm. blueprint that we're living now, which is busy changing. And that's what um, what I'd really like to talk more about today um, is what you're noticing in, in these change times. The I've been noticing the archetypes themselves are changing. You know, the archetypal beings are changing. <laughs> They're taking on new attributes and um, even new garments in, in, you know, the visions that I've been having. Um, and I don't know where the center is moving to, but um, maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's going to be interesting to see. But uh, yeah, mm. simply the the blueprint that we're from the timelines that I'm working on, we've already moved out of it. But there's a long lag. You know, it's like it's like a, a, a ship doing a very slow turn because it's so big, and the, yeah. the new coordinates have been set, and nothing's right. going to change them but it's taking time to change direction because it's such a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested in hearing what you're noticing. And, and I'd, I'd like to start, um, as I said to you, just as we were entering into this before I pressed record, um, chatting about, I didn't even know Tonga happened. You know, because me, I'm not inside with the news or social media at the moment very much at all. Um, mm. And also we were in ceremony all weekend and had some very big, big purge processes. It was amazing. And yeah. on, it was Saturday. I live in Hart Bay near the beach. And on Saturday evening, we took the dog for a walk and there's just mountains of kelp. And then I learned, okay. You know, and there's more again this morning and they keep cleaning it up and there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more. And then I saw on my family WhatsApp group, oh, in Komiki it's the same. And then I thought, oh, there's a volcano that's, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. and then the guys on the beach, the Khoisan guys, you know, saying, you know, this this is a sign. It's not a small sign. This is a big sign. Mm. Um, the mm. guys cleaning up, you know, and um, with some concern and, yeah, for me, it's it's not a bad sign. It's a good sign from how I read the re reality, um, how I notice things and how I understand the purge. But, yeah, I'm, that's where I'd like to start. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what you have been experiencing there, um, what's been coming through to you in your dreaming state, you know, like... Um, and it all being relevant to, because it does feel like a massive purge. Yeah. Me. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even had the ocean take my body. I've never been taken by the ocean before. I've, you know, like, um, and and throw huge waves onto the house on the weekend, and and the people heard it as well. The bashes on on which was quite profound so what are you hearing what are you hearing from the ocean um. lots i mean i don't know if i can distinguish ocean land air beings yeah but um there's definitely a massive purge and a massive it's like what happens when a being is trying to heal itself it, it detoxes mm. and um in any healing capacity on a microcosm or a macrocosm, it's like undergoing renovations. So you have to bash down the walls first and then wade around in the rubble before you can start cleaning out and then drawing the lines where you want the new settings to go. And the main thing that we've got to remember as individuals is to keep this in mind. It's intentional. It's always been planned. This is in the prophecies of many, many different cultures. And to cultivate a gentle endurance. And just to choose to see everything with this endurance, with this graceful endurance. Otherwise, we can be really wobbled. So it really depends where we place our attention, the kind of experience that we'll have. And it is foundations wobbling. It's like really the foundations are being uprooted. It's all connected. You know, as we deforest and pull oil up and do all these things, it's all connected. So as we, as the tree roots can no longer hold the soil, that dis destabilizes a lot of things and it exits all the way into the middle of the ocean. And everything is everything as a butterfly flaps its wings. So a hurricane happens in China as we pull up the, the foundation of the soil. So we see the soil 
all over, including under the ocean, react. And this is not necessarily, I, I'm not sure I particularly subscribe to the narrative that humans are naughty and bad. Yeah, it could be that life is happening through us, you know, uh, the shift, the change, the destabilization that are necessary for this time is happening through us. So the self-blame is, self-accountability is great, you know, and, and monitoring ourselves and the compass of where we want to go. But this, we're so bad, we're such naughty humans, we must be stopped, is not a useful narrative because that traumatizes us. And a traumatized being only causes more harm. So I think the key and the remedy really is in self-remembering and self-love and self-compassion. I hear all these people speak about how humans should just leave the planet and it would be doing a favor for the planet. There were no humans. I disagree. I think there'd be something sorely and sadly missing from the planet if humans weren't here. And I think we'd be missed. You know, so I think it's really about self-remembering. What is our true role and how do we lovingly and swiftly come back to that? You know, it's we like we're in are you talking as individuals or as collective? Both. Both. Macrocosm is microcosm. It's all it's all one dreaming, one reflection, as I am inside. So I'm seeing. Yeah. And I think we forget how much the world actually loves us. The self-punitive behavior really is the symptom of a traumatized being. I'm talking about a being of the whole of humanity. And we forget how much, I mean, just think of our relationship with the plant kingdom. They make the oxygen that we breathe in. We make the carbon dioxide that they breathe in. It's this beautiful, you don't get a more intimate kiss than that. You know, it's absolute love affair, timeless love affair. They would miss us. They love us. They want us to heal. They don't want us to be rid of them. Even look at the, the you know, in Australia, they speak about moetis, like a sacred marriage, a divine marriage. Two clans will be moeti or uh the sacred sites on the earth and the stars that cross over them, their moetis, it's the sacred divine marriage. And I think the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom and the human kingdom are, are moetis. Even if you look at the blood of plants, it's green with this chlorophyll and the blood of humans is the opposite. It's red with iron, with lock in, you know. We have this beautiful symbiosis and, and that's our partner, that's our lover. So I think that remembering of how loved we are will be more healing than self-critical words. I think it will just traumatize us more and perpetuate that behavior. Hey. <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we agree. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so for articulating that so, so amazingly. Um, mm -hmm. I totally agree. You know, in the, the 12 plus one medicine wheel that I've taken on board most strongly because I just love the story talk of it. Um, the one, it's not from the Hopi. Um, it's the one that I got from the, the story talk, the mythology of the points is from Robbie Warren, Art of Woman Standing. Mm. I now which um, family she's inside with in the, the Native American ways. But um, the, the plant kingdom, the rooted ones and the two-leggeds and four-leggeds, and I often put three-leggeds in, in there as well because I've got a three-legged cat. You know, they're, they're in the same quarter of the wheel. They're, mm. you know, they're both in the, yeah. in the yeah. southeast quadrant. Yeah, I mean, genetically, we're not that different. No. Literally, we come from the same ancestor. Even if you look at chlorophyll and blood under a microscope, the mandala of each is only one molecule different. Plants have magnesium, humans have iron, but the rest is identical. So we, we come from a very common ancestor and, and yeah, we're the same family. Yeah. What are you noticing there on your beaches? What's coming out of the water? Every day it's different. I like walking on the beach because every day it's different. Um, it looks normal. I was just in the ocean yesterday. I know up north in Australia, they're having effects from Tonga. Okay. Um, and we know the Great Barrier Reach, Reef is bleached. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's bleaching. Wow. From Tonga? Yeah. No, no. No, that's, from, that's from before. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah every, it's, it's like the ocean has this rhythm and sometimes we call it like a cornflake ocean where tiny bits of kelp and you go in and swim and you come out covered other days it washes up pebbles other days it washes up sponges other day it washes up 
you know, uh, rocks. driftwood, <laughs> rocks. Yeah. Up, there's Tonga waves washed up uh, a rock onto the beach here yeah, as well. Oh, wow, a big rock. Yeah. That's as far as Africa, as, as Cape Town. Yeah, it's profound. It's profound. Yeah. It's really profound how much is coming out of the ocean. I've been kind of, mm. this morning I was feeling into um, the being that kelp is, you know, Eclonia. Mm. And mm. huge forests are landing on the shore. And, um, you know, they're, they're such phenomenal, graceful beings. Um, yeah. Sai, my partner Sai, you know him. He assigned yeah. a diet for him. He dieted Eclonia. And yeah, just the the strength of those plants and the grace, the fluidity of them is profound. It's it's quite interesting to contemplate how many of them are landing on the the shores now. It's it's almost like a mass exodus of dolphins or something like that, you know, where a whole lot of beings beach themselves. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. I asked my dog this morning what, what she thought, and she said, it's great. <laughs> and I said, what did you get from the kelp? And she said, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> so everything seems oh, yeah. to be fine, you know, in the world of pearl. Yeah. Yeah, that's the idea, Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and then I'm also interested, do you do work with humans? Do you do like um, healing work, um, training work, stuff like that? Because Yes. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I just had a reading earlier today. I do the ancestral work, the ancestral readings that have taken on uh, an embellishment of their own, given the teachings that I was given after my twasa, after my, um, after my graduation. And... Um, so those teachings, they'll span across five streams of reality. So the body of knowledge I got is the five pillars of medicine, and, and all the teachings come in fives. So there's five branches, and in the third branch, which is the fabric of spirit, how reality is, is built, um, the first teaching was that there's only five streams of reality. There's only five modes of perceptions, five ways we can perceive reality. It's like five threads that make up the fabric of reality. And they are time, space, level, dimension, and plane. And that accounts for how we are this quantum beyond time and space being and will manifest through ancestry and past lives and the unseen interdimensional guides mm. and, you know, the physicality of our being all the way from the body to the spirit, the, the different entities of our being. So when I do a reading, traditionally an ancestral reading, the way the person might need to hear their story and their central wound echoed back to them will span across one of those. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that work embellished and expanded. And um, I, because I'm in Australia and I'm not on African land and my training is in Africa and the lore, L-O-R-E, of this land is, is very specific and I'm very respectful of it because it's been wounded so deeply. I won't train anyone on Australian soil because I'm not initiated in Australian lore. Mm -hmm. so I'll work with people we'll do modalities we'll do uh, readings and ceremonies and integrations and I'll teach the five pillars of medicine and I'll do ancestral workshops so giving them uh, empowered practices of how you can do ceremony like an ocean cleanse whether you're cleaning off a psychic attack or whether you're asking for a blessing or acknowledging some ancestral wound you know I give them the scaffolding and they can embellish on that um, the training itself I don't do but yeah absolutely walking people through the five pillars of medicine which is so simple and so sophisticated at the same time it's really just looking with real precision at the mirror that life is that i love to yeah. wonderful and so now what i'm curious about is what have you noticed um have you noticed any kind of or not i'll reword it because i'm pretty sure you have what common threads have you noticed in this past time moving through with um, the kind of things that we're experiencing on the planet um, in our society, in our human society, in our human political world, um, mm -hmm. family world, relational world. Yeah. Like, and um, so I've spoken to some other healer folk about with, with similar questions and um, you know, some, some are noticing similar um, you know, okay, 
in the in the body of energy when a person's for example had corona or been vaccinated or whatever like this is what this is what we notice and um this is how we find it's, it's helpful to resolve that thing you know um in in the uh, resonate returning to harmony and and then the that return being kind of like an upgrade as well um mm. Yeah, and so I'm interested in what you've been noticing through your your the color of the light that you are and the work that it manifests and the people that it brings and um, in this whole shift. And yeah, I mean, I think earlier you really got a, a, a beautiful natural gem when you said, you know, about um, it's much more useful to nurture self-love than to do the self-judgment judge humanity thing rather yeah love love humanity yeah all that stuff so we've we've got that piece um yeah yeah what are you noticing what are you well, noticing with, with humans we can fall in love with the world what am I noticing with humans? Well, I'm noticing the readings change a little bit, the ancestral readings in that it's no longer personal. It's no longer I can give that person, I'm just the messenger, convey to them what I'm seeing about their ancestry and what needs aligning and what's, what's the story. Um, but it's coming from the earth now. So I'll burn my pepu and I'll do my greetings and my openings and immediately I'll start seeing the earth tell me we need this person to heal because they carry that. Whereas before it was about that individual and their ancestors. So that's what I'm noticing there. Um, so do you mean like really the, sorry, I want to just understand you rightly. I, I, am I hearing you say that um, the earth is coming through to say, step into your purpose now? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need this one healed because they carry that. It's all a puzzle piece. You know, all the fractals of this one hologram are, are wanting and calling to come into alignment. It's almost like a magnetic pull back to center. And, of course, that can be gritty. There's obstacles in the way, gritty and bumpy, and we're hitting a bit of turbulence, all of which is expected and necessary and not very pleasant. You know, I have full compassion and still think that cultivating this graceful endurance is the best way to move through this sure we're hitting a big wobble it's not unseen for thousands of years this has been seen like clockwork that's come and this lifetime think about how huge this one lifetime is you know we in south africa i was two years old when television came so at the beginning of my life there wasn't even television playing outside in the garden creatures crawling from the neighbors then came television, then about 10 years later came computers, and now we walk around with this encyclopedia in our pocket. And in a way, we're too close to the wood for the trees. We can't zoom out and see long time. We think a day is a long time. But if you think about it, how big that is in one lifetime, one generation for that huge acceleration. And you could say we are so pregnant with birthing human consciousness that this magnetic hypnotic challenge to arrest the attention and hypnotize and distract us has come so fast in one lifetime why because this lifetime is that important mm -hmm. and one vision that i got that really drives my understanding here a lot is when dan first got sick i a few weeks afterwards i received a teaching i was i wasn't sleeping because i was in shock and and just um my nervous system was really activated because suddenly we went from normal life to emergency and hospital. And I had five visions from ancient Egypt over the next few years, two while he was alive and three subsequently. And the very first one, I had taken some CBD oil to try help me sleep and try calm my nervous system. What it did was calm my nervous system but take my energy not to sleep but to vision. And it took me on a very long journey and started explaining to me how humanity started to come here. But the first thing it said was, because we are now entering from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, it means that we're directly opposite the end of the age of Virgo moving into the age of Leo. 
So because we're directly across that circle, 12 and a half thousand years it would take for that to turn. Because we're directly across from that, not only can we see it, but because we can see it, we can start to remedy. We can deal with and address everything that began at that time. And it could be around that time. I haven't checked my history. I know that's when the Sphinx was taking prominence because it's the virgin's head and the, and the lion's body, Virgo into Leo. Um, it could be around that time that writing became mainstream in civilization. Yeah. Yep. That has one of the biggest impacts on humanity, outsourcing from oral tradition to writing down, outsourcing our memory, relying on something else to map the entire cosmos instead of this inter internal cosmos of our neural network. And I think we are directly across from that. This lifetime now is as big and impactful as the lifetime we received writing as commonplace. So while we're all distracted and hypnotized and too close to the wood for the trees, I think we should zoom out for a moment and just notice the incredible impact and um, relevance and profundity of this one lifetime, this generation that we are here now. Whether we chose to be or we forgot that we chose to be or whatever the story is, we're here now for this lifetime. And then we have this a moment, you know, this beautiful crowning moment, as you're calling your, your series, The Crowning. And the prophecy has been all about this time, whether it's Mayan or whether it's the Kali Yuga or any indigenous tradition has spoken about this time, this time, the awakening, this time. And then we have something called Corona, which means crown. And in a birthing process, that's what you say when the child is just starting to come out is it's crowning. So I see some kind of symmetry there. I don't think that's a mistake. And, it, you know, it's a birth isn't easy. It's challenging. It's uncomfortable. And there's no guarantee either party, the mother or the baby, is going to survive. Mm -hmm. But it's birth. That's where we are now. Mm -hmm. Hey. Yeah. You said so many things that I loved right there. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> sure. Mm -hmm. No, I really I, I have a full open yes inside my whole body and my whole entire team um, about the, the vision and thought and possibility of us being in that opposite exact to when writing began. I had a, a vision uh, a few years ago as well. I was, I was sitting beside the fire with my grandmother my grandfather, and he spoke to me and said, you know, um, you know, we were talking about my job. <laughs> and, um, and he said, yeah, your, your job, you're a, you're a, 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 a lore maker, a, a myth writer, you know, like a myth creator as such. And, and mm. he said, you know, this is part of our line, you know, and he said, don't, don't get it wrong like we did. You know, don't write anything in stone. Don't write stuff, you know, like be very, very aware of your writing, of the words mm. that you write, the, especially the words that you write. I mean, we know we must be aware of the words we speak and, yeah, you know, um, the, that we think even the, the, all of that to be fully aware and conscious of the choices of how we are directing our our ways, makia, you know, ike, those, those principles, um, but specifically writing. And he said, you know, keep it simple and keep it multidimensional, keep it that multi-layered, that every word has got meaning that is an evolving meaning, that writing, the writing's able to evolve in the reading of it, in every person's awareness, it can evolve. It can bring its own story to that person. That's that's how lore needs to be, um, in order for it as not to have the or create unwittingly, perhaps create the the um, kind of stagnation or looping looping that we created last time we did this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. resonates so wow. deeply. I, d I don't very much know astrology, and so I didn't know that that was the case, but I certainly have got a very deep encounter with, with Sphinx energy, and, um, you know, in fact, I was killed in that form by Madresita Ayahuasca. 
uh, one time as well. So, so like there's a, a really deep resonance in what you're saying. It's everywhere we go, we, we're given blessings and opportunities to know ourselves better. And, yeah. and really this, this is one of the greatest gifts that life on earth gives, hey, because, because it is a, a place of choice. And we can yeah. follow our feet any which direction. And, and it, it actually doesn't really matter which direction we go if we have our awareness open. Yeah. And our yes is open. Yeah. Then we can see the reflection. And through that, yeah, through that comes mm. in grace to proceed as one with nature together, yeah. It's beautiful. Hmm. Maya's grandfather, what a beautiful message he passed on you. Yeah, and, and profound because, um, you know, in real life he was a grumpy old sod. <laughs> and there was so much, like, abuse of power in that line, you know. Mm. Um, but for him to come forward as this boats person um, for the line, it was really beautiful. It, it helped me to really bring a lot of forgiving, you know, wash yeah. my own pain um, that yeah. I took on when I came in, you know. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's funny, Anna. Sometimes, mm. sometimes they do that. The, the person who's least likely in the lineage will be put forward to pass a message. I remember when I was refusing my twice, I was refusing to initiate, and so my dad came to me in a dream, beautiful soul, but had no belief in any life after death. And he's the one who had to tell me in a, madu, in a, uh, a medicine hut, Madusini, he had to tell me, you're a tough nut to crack. <laughs> so waking up a dog was like, wow, if even he's cracked, then I'm dragging my feet. You know? <laughs> no, that's beautiful. I, yeah. I had the cacao tree come up to me and say, stop fucking around. <laughs> you know you oh. need to initiate and you're born here for a reason. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Africa. Oh. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I love what you say about it doesn't matter which way you go, which way you put your feet, because life is a hologram. We can learn through anything, you know. We can see the same patterns in everything. So you can learn through music. You can learn through um, song. You can learn through having teachers. You can learn through relationships. You can learn through writing. Everything's going to be a mirror mm. because it's, a fractal within a fractal. So yeah. when we realize that we're seeing ourselves reflected out, out, outwardly and the very same governing principles operating through all of reality, we can start to fall in love with it because it's a mirror. Now, this is the importance of the self-love. Mm. We have to fall back in love with ourselves because we are a mirror of what is and what is is a mirror of us. So once we fall back in love with ourselves, with that compassion for the fact that we've moved into such forgetting and such trauma that allows us to continue traumatizing and just that still compassion and allowing that grief to wash and allowing that shame to wash, then we can start to see that same pattern reflected in everything and the magic and the mystery of life reflected in everything. So when we fall back in love with ourselves, we can fall back in love with the earth. And then now we're talking of saving the earth now we're talking of doing real remedial work mm -hmm. you know and 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 remembering remembering the past is actually seeding the future so i like that remembering the future because as we remember the ways we used to do things and the ancient knowledge so that makes it applicable now we can apply that in the future so remembering that earth herself is an alchemist Look at what she has made she can probably make anything from the crystal to the rock to the oil to the different kinds of waters to the plants to the birds and all their mating dances to the humans and the animals and the unseen forces and the wind and the, i mean it's absolutely exquisite this planet is a full-on laboratory of conscious incredible intent mm. so what i'm remembering is that there was a time not so long ago because we live in this symbiotic biosymbiotic we're of the same material as the earth we could with our consciousness find a way to request things of this limitless alchemist go into ceremony ask the right way in the right tempo 
and request for something to be made and she can make it. Mm. Now, this is just a hunch, but it's the most convincing hunch I've ever had. So once we remember who we are, (laughs) we can really start to see magic begin to happen because we remember who the earth is as well and what we're capable of. I mean, we are the seat of all dreaming. We are all one dreamer. So, you know, the imagination in our culture we're taught is nothing. It's just a dream. Don't worry about it, they say as a kid. It's just your imagination. Meanwhile, everything that we have created is born first in the imagination. It is the seat of creativity from the chair I'm sitting on, the clothes I'm wearing, the jewelry I have, everything, the shed I'm sitting in, everything is born in imagination first. And then we can materialize it through our visioning, through our hands. So we can pretty much make anything if we've made this and the advanced technology that we've made. We are the dreamers that can see any reality, which is why if there's a distraction that may not want any reality, best distract our dreaming capacity. Disempower us to think our dreams and imagination are not important and then distract us, seed us with weird things, sci-fi and whatnot. On one hand, you can look at it like that. You can look at it with suspicion. But how you look at it is what creates the alchemy. So I'm choosing Mm -hmm. to look at it as birth is an initiation. It's a challenge. You break through a membrane. You break through from an inner world to an outer world. Initiation, you cross this invisible looking glass from one way of perceiving to another way of perceiving. These are challenging moments. You go through rite of passage as a young Zulu boy or Sutu boy, it's challenging. You might not survive. It's that important that you go through initiation that that you may not survive as a worthwhile cost. Mm -hmm. So here we are in one of the most challenging experiences we've ever had on the planet. Full distraction, full hypnosis, full coercion. It's that important, the awakening, that the challenge matches that amplitude. Mm -hmm. The awakening is so great that it needs this level of challenge to be worthy of it. Mm-hmm. 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 So I choose to look at it that way. Yeah. Because yeah, the level of the challenge and the way we flower through that challenge determines the quality of that flower and the nutrition of that fruit. Mm. Strength of the medicine. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the amount of consciousness and awareness that has been being born through this experience is profound. It's really profound. Yeah. I want to share with you as well, Leela, and, um, you know, I guess anybody who's watching now or watching this whenever you get it, it's perfect timing. Um, You know, something that I've been doing on the the other side of this crowning series conversations is crowning series attunements. And that was, it's a song, song line singing project that I was asked to do by my team working together with the mountains of the Cape Peninsula here initially um, in the chakra, chakric points that have been discovered here or, or indicated, um, doused, geomanced by Dean, Dean Laprini. Mm-hmm. And the, the specific pathway that I've been asked to follow is the pathway of the seven-tiered labyrinth, which of course begins on the solar plexus on the yellow pyramid rock um, which is the time for dreaming visioning setting intentions you know and that's about to be released we're releasing mm. one a month and then it walks through a pathway of manifestation um, through the body so this is an ancient technology that is found it's even that labyrinth is inscribed in the Giza pyramids um, mm. in, in in the Celtic old stuffs in the over the seas old stuffs the hopi labyrinth uh, you know all that stuff so (coughs) yeah it really is time now because nothing happens for nothing you know and and this now i guess is whenever each any any person comes across it that time there's no such thing as too late really that's also that's Mm. a tough one that one that, that, mm. can be, that can feel really difficult, that one, the, too. How do you do that? How do you overcome the feeling that of running out of time, <laughs> of, of, of being too late, you know, when, yeah, in your own practice, in your own work? 
Yeah, I, I don't yeah. fall into that because it's not helpful. I step into a quantum perception of time, mm-hmm. you know, where I can actually move much quicker because there's no rush. So can you can you give a perhaps a, an imagining or a you know a pathway that will make it easier for people to step into the quantum timeline state? Mm-hmm. Is there something? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely just like anything else. It's like prepare your vessel, dress for the job you want. You know, prepare your vessel for that which you want. So. Mm-hmm. So many different ways of doing this. Nutrition, walking on the earth, drinking good water, just one breath with full intent, with full self-love to just enjoy the fact that you have a body now. And preparing your vessel in whatever way feels like cleaning it to you and cleaning your consciousness, cleaning your mind, even if it's a tiny bit, preparing the vessel. Because my experience and therefore my understanding has been that nobody can initiate They can't initiate themselves and nobody can initiate another. All we can do is prepare the vessel of our being and then initiation happens spontaneously as a consequence. So it's like preparing the chalice of your mind and then the nectar gets poured in. So prepare your vessel to hold a certain caliber of knowledge and when you're ripe enough, you will encounter, you will, it will dawn within you a dewdrop of realization. And this is what in ancient Tibet they called termas. Terma means the hidden gem. And Padmasambhava, just like with many different traditions, Padmasambhava is Guru Rinpoche, is known as the second Buddha. He knew that a difficult time was coming on earth, just like they knew in Atlantis and ancient Egypt. They knew this time was coming now because they could see through long time. Because we weren't, they weren't addicted to seeing line, time as a line. So what he did was he cultivated all his teachings And then when he left his body, he left it, these hidden gems in the plasma of consciousness. And some of them even physical. So some practitioners, some initiates in Tibet have physically found hidden gems. And others have found them in in the way of teachings. So this is placed outside of time and space to naturally blossom in the consciousness of one who's ripe. So all it is is love yourself, tend yourself, allow the natural ripening of your being. You can't ripen. Life ripens through us. The tree, uh, uh, fruit on the tree can't make itself red from being green. It can just allow. So just clear yourself and remove all the obstacles that impact that allowing, and we will naturally ripen, and then we can dawn on our ripening, our blossoming. It just happens naturally. So it's more a case of non-doing of keeping clean, of trusting, and of keeping our channel open, of remembering we are hollow bone medicine, we are antenna, and we can choose what radio station to turn into and have compassion for the self, no matter how slowly it goes. Just that intention for one beautiful breath is a huge impact because right now it seems like nothing, but the ripple effect of that in eons to come could make all the difference. Mm -hmm. I love that. And again, like before I was saying, I want to have a chat with you under a different series title soon. Um, as soon as I've got the title, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's some stuff there that I'm, I'm interested in exploring more as well. Um, mm. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay. What else is there? How are we doing? I think we're, we're approaching an hour now. Maybe we might be, in fact, I think we're just over. No, not quite, almost. Um, let's see. So to sum it up, Leela, from your world and from the world of the plants that you commune with and the mountains and the waters and the stones and the, yeah, deserts, everything, the air. Mm. Um, if you were to give a gem now and I know you've given so many gems already is there a, is there a last one um, that you can I would say don't worry be happy <laughs> in a complacent way I mean that as happiness is such potent medicine and each one of us is such a powerful living force in the world beyond what we recognize beyond what our culture has uh, given us as, a, as an heirloom to, to know who we are, that we really 
that gorgeous quality of gratitude and appreciation, happiness is the medicine. So if we can cultivate that, we can start to see the living being in the plants around us and the animals around us, start to cultivate the reemergence of the fullness of ourselves. And I remember I practiced for many years with the art of living, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, and we would do the Sadashan Kriya and then sometimes we'd go and sit and listen to teachings afterwards. And the one thing that he said that just stayed with me for so many years was he said, be happy. And that's an instruction, not a suggestion. Yeah, it's like it's the, one of the, the, the kahuna principles, aloha. Mm. It means, I mean, the simplified way of how it means is to love is to be happy with. You know, right? Yeah, and, beautiful. And yes, it's a, it's a, it's a choice, and it's a requirement. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an invitation. We don't want to impose it on ourselves, and we certainly don't want to be self-critical if we are going through anxiety and depression, which is fully understandable right now. Mm -hmm. But the gratitude that comes from happiness, and the happiness that comes from gratitude. So gratitude is actually a, a better starting point is so nutritious to the world around us that it cultivates this quality and this frequency that we want the new earth to birth from. Mm. We want to seed and fertilize the soil of our own deliverance. Mm. And this is how we do it, this yeah. mindful gratitude, just with whatever it is. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leela, for, for joining me, for agreeing to join me. And um, I'm really looking forward to having more conversations with you. And I hope we get to meet in person one day as well. Yeah, that would be beautiful. Uh, thank you so much for all the wisdoms that you brought forward here. Yeah. Uh, it's an honor to be invited. Thank you. Many blessings. Have a beautiful, beautiful evening, I think. Yeah. Uh, it is. <laughs> beautiful.